Each episode is available for 0.1 ASHA CEUs and has an accompanying audio course on speechtherapypd.com. We are offering an audio course subscription special coupon code to listeners of this podcast to earn ASHA CEUs. Type the word keys for $20 off. This subscription gives you access to all existing and new audio courses from speechtherapypd.com. With hundreds of audio courses on demand and new courses released weekly, it's only $59 per year with the code word keys. Visit speechtherapypd.com keys and start earning ASHA CEUs today. Thanks for joining us at Keys for SLPs, opening new doors for speech-language pathologists to better serve clients throughout the lifespan, a weekly audio course and podcast from SpeechTherapyPD.com. I'm your host, Mary Beth Hines, a curious SLP who embraces lifelong learning. Keys for SLPs brings you experts in the field of speech-language pathology, as well as collaborative professionals, patients, and caregivers to discuss therapy strategies, research, challenges, triumphs, and career opportunities. Engage with a range of practitioners from young innovators to pioneers in the field as we discuss a variety of topics to help the inspired clinician thrive. Welcome to Keys for SLPs. We are thrilled to have you with us for our first ever double header. This episode, titled Keys to Developing Your Personal Brand, will be followed by a short break before our next episode, Keys to Determining Your Digital Drivers. As a reminder, for this live episode, to get live CEUs, you must log into your speechtherapypd.com account and complete the entire course content by the end of the day today. We will have the opportunity to ask live questions at the end of the podcast, so please type your questions in the chat box. And here are the financial and non-financial disclosures. Mary Beth Hines is the host for Keys for SLPs podcast and receives compensation from speechtherapypd.com. Treva Graves owns her own company. She has authored two books and receives royalties from the sale of her books. She receives compensation from speechtherapypd.com for this episode. There are no non-financial disclosures for Mary Beth or Treva. Without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce Treva Graves. Treva is the founder and CEO of Bloom Personal Branding. She is a speech-language pathologist with over 25 years of experience in healthcare, education, and private practice. In 2013, she pivoted from working with individuals with disordered communication to working with business professionals on communication techniques. Treva brings her own unique perspective to discuss how to build your personal brand as a speech-language pathologist today. She is a sought-after speaker, career coach, and certified personal and digital brands strategist. Treva has authored two books and is a regular on the show Kilo Land Living on CBS, where she shares her expertise on image, communication skills, and etiquette to a large audience of followers. Welcome, Treva. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you for that fantastic opening. So I'm glad to <laughs> well, be Well, you here. are fantastic. <laughs> and we are thrilled to have you here today as our guest to talk about building a personal brand. Yeah. Our professional brand impacts career development. And so having a strategy for building a personal brand helps us thrive as an SLP. Mm-hmm. So before we dive in, can you tell us the difference between personal image and personal brand? Yes. 
Well, this is something that I think these two topics people kind of get confused about, but they are actually two very different things. So let's just kind of nip it in the bud right away. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So your personal image, it's the outside indicator of yourself. So it's everything from your appearance and how you dress, the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you dine when you are out in public even, you know, your manners and your etiquette. So it's this outward indicator of who you are. Now, personal brand is completely different. Personal branding really is the whole representation of yourself. It's all about your authenticity, your strengths, your values, your passions, your purpose. It's really becoming self-aware of who you are. It's about perceptions. So it's not only the perception of yourself, but it's perceptions of other people. Like, what do they think about you when you're not around? So it's how you see yourself and how others see you. And right where those two circles intersect is where your personal brand lies. So or lives, I should say. So that's kind of the difference there. Well, thank you. So when we think of personal image, it's really all the things on the outside. Right. Personal brand, it's kind of the things on the inside and how they're projected to the outside world. Yeah. When you work on personal branding, you really have to think about what matters to you, you know, your values, the purpose. I mean, why are you an SLP? What drives you to do that? And also personal branding has another word tied to personal branding is uniqueness. And so each of us has a mark, a word or something that we're trying to project to the world. And so we're going to kind of talk and think about how our listeners today can develop their personal brand by just thinking about these things in a little bit different of a way. Okay, great. Well, thank you for that clarification. Yeah. So now that we know what a personal brand is, what is the first step to building our personal brand? Mm -hmm. Like I just mentioned, think about what you want to be known for. And one of the ways that I help people develop personal brands is really getting into sort of your DNA. (laughs) I call it your brand DNA. And one of the questions to consider for this is what problem do you solve? Now, a lot of people really struggle with this because they don't really know. Well, I don't know what problem I solve, but a way to think about it is typically the problem you solve is Something that you have overcome in your life and that you are now powerfully positioned to help others overcome. Okay. So, for example, I will just share mine. So, the problem that I solve, and it's why I do what I do today, is insecurity because I grew up very insecure as a a child. I struggled to fit in. I didn't have many friends. I had very low self-esteem. And over time, as I grew up, I had mentors and, 
you know, today we would call them coaches back then (laughs) the coaching wasn't even a term used, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people that I trusted that helped me build my confidence and my self-esteem to now my uniqueness is confidence. I can help people come out of insecurity or self-doubt into confidence because that's my uniqueness. I've spent years honing that skill. I've helped a lot of people build their confidence, um, whether they are moms at home, whether they're business professionals, whether they're in healthcare. I've certainly helped SLPs become more confident in expressing themselves and working with everyone from teachers to doctors to, you know, whoever, but you have to remember that the problem you solve, your uniqueness is the opposite of that word. So out of the insecurity came the confidence. So those are my words that I relate to. And the word that I want people to think about when they see me or hear me speak somewhere is confidence. Like, oh, yes, Treva is the person that can help me with that. (laughs) Absolutely. 100%. I think of confidence when I think of you. And um, it really surprises me to find out that you as a young person were not confident because mm-hmm. you are so confident and such a good speaker, um, <laughs> such a great communicator. So that really is inspiring to hear that uh, you have overcome that because you exude confidence. Oh, well, so. well, thank you. It, it is not something that I built overnight. It took It took a lot of hard work, you know, like I said, that coaching and sometimes putting yourself in situations that make you uncomfortable. That's Mm -hmm. where you learn the most is doing it afraid. (laughs) And here I am. (laughs) Here I am. Take me as I am. You know, it sounds like a Helen Reddy. I am woman song or something. (laughs) Oh, so, Okay. Well, that's great. So the first step is asking ourselves, what is our uniqueness? What do we, what is the unique thing that we bring to the table? Exactly. Exactly. As speech pathologists, I mean, we are experts in our field. We wear so many hats and people look to us for the answers and We all have different skills, different skill sets. Some of us may aspire to be leaders. Some of us just want to focus, you know, on that clinical part of it. Some of us work with adults. Some of us work with kids. But what is your unique value that you bring to the table? You know, there's probably words that that come to your mind, hopefully. And if you don't know Ask the people around you, ask your boss, ask your coworkers, ask friends or family, what word comes to mind when you think about me? And, you know, I'm sure they have many wonderful things to say about you. Uh, I'm sure everyone, (laughs) everyone does have wonderful things that are said about them, but that's a little challenging. That is a little bit of a challenge Mm -hmm. to go to your boss or to your coworker and Mm -hmm. say, what do you think of me? What is the one thing that you think of? And of course, they'll say something positive, but it might be something that you didn't expect. So it's a little, 
not daunting, but a little bit of a challenge, but well worth it. Yes. You know, there's all kinds of assessments out there. One that that is really good, that is inexpensive. If you really want to dig into this a little bit to learn what people really think about you, how they perceive you, is something called 360 Reach. And that was developed by a man named William Aruda. And if you just go to 360 Reach, Google it. It's a personal branding survey. And you can, I think it's like, I don't know, $30. And they send you the survey. And then you can send it out to like 20 or 30 people and have them fill this out about you. And then once the results are back, and it's all anonymous, so you don't know. You know the people you sent it to, but you don't know what they say about you. And once they get enough responses, 360 Reach generates a report for you. And then you can actually see what people said about you. Your leadership qualities come out of that, your brand personas. There's some really good information that you can learn about yourself through that inexpensive little assessment. And that may be a little bit easier than asking people. People (laughs) might be a little bit more honest, you know, writing it in a survey versus saying something straight. Sure. Because I I imagine that offers not only what your strengths are, but what your challenges are. What your weaknesses are as well. Yes. You'll see strengths and weaknesses and then your leadership qualities as well. So you know, some of it may surprise you. I've done it. And, you know, there were a couple comments on there. I won't lie to you that um, I was a little surprised about. And it, and it made me think a little bit, but that's the point of it. You know, it's like, oh, okay. I never thought of myself quite like that, but who knows? Maybe there's something they see in me that maybe I don't. That's why, Mm -hmm. you know, that's why there are assessments out there and surveys and such. Well, it's also probably a little bit easier to find out about what your challenges or weaknesses are through a survey versus face-to-face. So definitely valuable. Okay. So we find out, we either know what our uniqueness is and what we bring to the table, or we ask people or we use a type of survey and that is kind of the first step in developing our personal brand. Yes. You've mentioned the word avatar, yeah. which has a different meaning in different contexts. But when you say avatar in this context, what do you mean? Yeah, well, I'm not talking about the person in the movie Avatar who is blue. Like, I <laughs> I, I have not even seen that movie. That's probably embarrassing to say because everybody <laughs> raves about how good it is. But <laughs> when, when I am talking about Avatar... I'm talking about the audience avatar. And if you Google that audience avatar, that will come up. And it means who are you trying to reach? Who is your audience? Let's say you are, maybe you're an SLP that wants to start your own private practice or just kind of dabble in it a little bit or, or really go in gung-ho and do it. And you really have to take some time And think about, okay, who do I want to reach? Because when you start to develop your your website and your messaging, which we'll kind of talk about in the next hour, but you really need to narrow down your niche and 
One of the things that I've learned that if you do not narrow down your niche and you put out all of this content on social media, if you try to speak to everyone, you'll end up speaking to no one. And that's why we we have to know who our audience is. It's kind of like that saying, most authors write to people, but great authors write to one person. And so who is that person? If you're trying to set up a practice and work with children, Okay, so who would your avatar be there? Well, probably young moms. So where do young moms hang out on social media? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. if if you're working, if you want to work with older folks or adults in general, where where are they? So I encourage people when they have to start niching down their audience is write out an actual psychographic of that person. So maybe it is. Yeah. So it's like, let's say it's Gloria, who's a, you know, 50 year old sales marketing professional who has two kids married, lives in the suburbs. She may be fit, but would like to be in better shape. She spends her summers at the lake. I mean, just like, I mean, seriously, narrow it down all the way. Because like I said, the more narrowed down your audience is, the more successful that you will truly be. Because we can't make everybody happy. We can't please everyone. We want to work with the people that we are destined to work with. That Mm -hmm. That is your passion, right? And your purpose and So that's a little exercise. (laughs) Some people might think that's kind of crazy, but it really helps when you put pen to paper or typing it out who your audience really is. So I find it helpful. And I love that you named her because once you name someone, you you really feel like you know them um, in a more intimate way versus just my audience is in general, you know, 50 year old women who have Right. Working with teenagers who have 15 year olds. Right. And think about, okay, who do I want like 50 of? Okay. You don't want 50 random people. You want 50 clients. Let's just say that they're children who need speech or language therapy. I mean, you're getting really, really specific on who you want to serve. That's figuring out your audience. And it's so important, especially when it comes to pushing out content on social media, because let's face it, that's where everybody is. I mean, you're Mm going to, you would probably get word of mouth referrals or, you know, if you reach out to the schools and you say, Hey, you know, I'm putting together a summer program. I mean, sure. You would get referrals that way. But nowadays really with working from home You can do therapy, granted, within the rules of your license and states and all of that. Yes. Um, You can do child therapy online, you know, all ages online. So getting specific with your audience and your messaging is really important. In that example, we talked about if you had a private practice. Let's say you're not someone who has a private practice. Let's say you work in a um, healthcare facility, but you are 
hoping to be a leader in the field of speech language pathology. Mm -hmm. And you are hoping to educate other people on what you have learned through your experience. So do you offer the same suggestions? You name your audience as, you know, Susie SLP? I do. And in that situation, if you are working in a school or a hospital and you want to share your knowledge, so really, what is your expert knowledge? It's thought leadership. That's what that term means. It's your expertise that you are sharing with the world. That's that's all thought leadership is. And we all like to think we're thought leaders, right? right. <laughs> I mean, we all have something that we're experts in. So how could you share your thought leadership? Well, you could start a blog. I mean, how many hundreds of SLPs are doing blogs or a vlog where you're video, you know, video blogging? And we'll learn a little bit more about video in the next session. But posting, blogging, at the minimum, you should have a website, who you are and what you do. And in fact, somebody told me in a conference I attended once that everyone, no matter who you are and what you do, you should just buy your name domain for 20 bucks, uh, you know, and have a one page website describing who you are. That is interesting. Yeah. Whether you own your own business or not, just whether you own your own business or not, because here, well, I'm getting into the next (laughs) session, but that's okay. But they're related. Here is something to think about. So there's a lot of stuff out there on the network, on Google, everywhere. And one of the things I recommend is to Google yourself, do sort of this digital brand audit. So you know what's out there about yourself, especially if you're looking for a job. Who knows? Maybe somebody, God knows when, maybe they left a review about you somewhere, but maybe it was negative and you hadn't Googled yourself and now you've got this negative thing out there. The one thing about having a website is that you own it Mm -hmm. and always be driving your client base, your audience avatar, always drive them back to your website because that's you. You're in control of it. Nobody else is. So you can always be safe professionally with a just a one pager and you don't have to, I mean, you could create that yourself nowadays, but That's just something that was I had learned not long ago from a digital marketing expert who recommended that. And so so I might have some SLPs out there listening who are like, oh, my goodness, one more thing that I've got to do, (laughs) develop my own website now. So let's say we take your advice and we do develop our own websites. Yeah. One pager. Yeah. So what kind of monitoring of that website do you recommend? I would, at a minimum, with that one page, you want like your bio on it. You want to, you know, share kind of your story, you know, about you. That's how people connect with you is through getting to know you and your story about who you are and what drives you and what your passion is. You can have your blog on there. If you're putting together a speech group or something, you could post it on there. But remember not long ago when Facebook went dark, this was what, like a month ago, Facebook went dark for like a day. 
Instagram and Facebook, they're connected. Mm-hmm. They're yes. owned together. Yes. Meta now. Meta. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe some of you already know this, but LinkedIn and Twitter also are together. So if you post on LinkedIn, you can also post it on your Twitter account too. But anyway, so Facebook and Instagram went dark for a day. And so all of a sudden you had all of these people that want to push content out and there was no way to push it out. And so it was, well, if you had a website, you could quickly go in there and update it with something. But the point I want to make here is that you own that website. And, you know, unless you give permission for somebody else to post in it or use it, it's all you. I That's just, kind of exciting yeah. to know that you're in control because sometimes I feel like on social media, you know, with cookies and everything, we're always being advertised yes. to. And so to have something that you are in control of as an individual SLP is, is exciting. Good right. advice. And, you know, when you think about your personal brand too, I wanted just to mention, we talked about our audience avatar, but our audience really is everyone around you, you know, making assumptions uh, and perceptions about you. You know, I always say you never get a second chance to make a first impression. That first one always sticks, always Nobody remembers the second, the third, or the fourth time they remember or they meet you. It's that first time. So you always want to make sure that you are making a good impression and looking professional and acting professional. You know, your managers, your colleagues, students, teachers, everyone around you is making these judgments really all the time. I mean, we do it without even really thinking about it. And so what do you want to be known for as an SLP when they think about you? I mean, is it, are you an optimist? You know, I'm just thinking of some words that could describe us. Are you this master collaborator where the teachers in your school love to work with you because you're so collaborative? Maybe that's your word. We all hope to be, you know, experts <laughs> in all of these SLP things. I think, oh gosh, we wear so many hats. How can we be experts in everything? But we're kind of expected to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to be known as someone who's just like always motivating your team? You know, like you just have this way to help people get things done. You know, are you a mover and a shaker? Are you an achiever? So these are things that oftentimes also come out of that 360 reach survey. But if you had to describe yourself, what types of words are some of these words I just mentioned? You know, maybe some of these words are you. I don't know. But thinking about branding as an SLP, through some of the words I just gave you, do any of those kind of fit for you? So, Well, that's a good point. And I have a question for you. So these are words that describe you as you are today or describe the person who you want to be. So those words I just gave you, like optimist, collaborator, motivator, those are really more related to your brand persona. So we all have different personas. You know, when I look at my brand personas, 
I had words like collaborator, achiever. I mean, we might have a few. It's not like you just have one, but those came out of my survey, you know, that, that I was kind of this high achiever, collaborator, motivator. I even had one come out called sophisticate, which somebody <laughs> must think I'm, you know, somebody must thought I was sophisticated or something, which is great. Right, right. <laughs> um, or evangelist. That was another one um, that came out. But so those are brand personas. But the problem you solve going back to the foundation, really, of who you are, there's typically a through line, a through line in your life. It's something that you are serving the person maybe that you once were. I help in my business people who have felt insecure and I'm helping them build confidence to be successful while building their brand at the same time, but to be successful in their in their line of work, whether that's in sales or maybe they want to be a better speaker. I've taken my skills as a speech pathologist and kind of like you said in the in my intro, mm-hmm. I kind of pivoted into working with business people more per se than working with individuals who have a, you know, disorder. So those words for our personal brand relate to our uniqueness as people see us now and as we see ourselves now and how can we capitalize on that uniqueness to project it to the world and turn it into whatever we're trying to project, whether it's our private practice image or our leadership image Mm -hmm. or being a collaborator within our workplace. Right. And expressing again, like that thought leadership. I mean, I get my ASHA magazine and you know, I read some of the stories in there about, oh, here's a cool blog or, I mean, it's fun just to, to see how we all are sharing our thought mm-hmm. leadership and we're probably sharing it every day. And we don't really think about it like that. You know, it's right. like, oh, I'm sharing my thought leadership today. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, we're, we're constantly sharing our thought leadership. So we can even just talk about our thought leadership, but I know lots of SLPs love to blog and vlog and, and do podcasting um, Mm -hmm. like we're doing right now. I mean, there's so many opportunities for you to share your thought leadership through speaking, podcasting. I mean, you could just Google, I want to be on a podcast and here's my topic. Tons of stuff will come up. And honestly, I've done that. I've Googled and (laughs) put my topics that I have to share and I've reached out. And honestly, I've had good reception, even way back when I was starting my business, when really nobody knew about me. I mean, lots of people are looking for podcast guests. Like, yes, yes, they are. Yeah. yeah. So Um, lots of ways to be sharing your expertise. Mm -hmm. What role does your bio play? in developing your personal brand? Yeah. So your bio is really important. I can't express it enough. If you are, first of all, let's say you're looking for a job, you've got to put together a resume or, you know, a bio about yourself, what you've done. I always like to write bios in story form. So if you go to my LinkedIn, my bio is not bullet points of, 
you know, drove results to blah, 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 blah. Or I, I don't have that, nothing against that. But my bio is a story. And I wrote it that way because I felt that it's a better way to connect with people. Okay. Now, in my job, like my previous jobs, I have some bullet points, like I did this and this and this and this. But I love I love to tell that in a story. Now, your bio, you should have like a one sentence bio that explains what you do. One sentence. You could create a shorter one paragraph bio. If needed, you might need a longer bio where you're including your education and your you know, certifications and you know, podcasts you've been on. Maybe you've written articles for websites. That's another thought leadership thing, getting on like a Thrive Global or something. But bios are super important and writing it in kind of a story form is advantageous for you. Sometimes it's just easier to understand (laughs) and read versus all these, you know, big technical words. I don't know. (laughs) But people definitely connect more emotionally to stories than bullet points. I have to say I'm probably more of a bullet pointer. So I'll have to think about this one, Treva. No, that's fine. That's fine. I took a class recently on how to tell stories they kind of talked about, you know, how to write a bio in story form and I connected with it. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. and I love that you just took a class. I mean, here you are a leader in the, in this field and now you just took a class on telling a story. So yeah, um, (laughs) (laughs) lifelong learners, that's, that's what our podcast is all about. Lifelong learning. Yes. And yeah, learning never ends. I mean, I'm in my 50s and I've always felt that learning just never ends. It's it's something that I love to do. I love learning and taking it and maybe putting a little bit of my own spin on it and sharing it. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so back to the bio. So the, yeah. the one sentence in your bio, would, would that the one sentence bio come at the beginning? Like, I am a speech language pathologist who likes to work with adults yes, with acquired, okay. acquired communication disorders. Like that is the one sentence. And then the whole story comes after. Yeah. So like a one sentence bio, let's say you're at maybe a networking event or you're at ASHA and you have to tell people who you are in one sentence. Mine is related more to personal branding, but Mine is I help business professionals build confidence by creating powerful personal branding transformations to celebrate your uniqueness. So that is mine. It's a little long. I probably could cut out a couple of words, but that sentence tells people exactly what I do in one sentence. Probably keep it, I don't know how many words mine is. But I'd keep it to maybe 10, 12, 13 words and don't go over that. I mean, the shorter, the shorter it is, probably the better. But if you can just have one sentence that says, here is what I do, you know, you so that's say, more a, a sentence that you're verbalizing when you're meeting someone. Yeah, the like one a, sentence. Like and then for your the bio on your LinkedIn or on your website is more of a story. Yes. 
I wrote something down here, like I help children become effective communicators through play activities to build a bigger vocabulary. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I just popped that out of my brain, <laughs> but I mean, you know, just something simple that you can share that, you know, doesn't get too long and too wordy, especially when you're at a networking type of thing, because if you're in a group of people, the quicker you, you know, you kind of move around and hear everybody's everybody, what they do and why they do it. You know, I don't know if anyone wants to stand there for five minutes and listen to you carry on. Right, (laughs) right. You know, I mean, networking is supposed to be quick. Okay, it was nice to meet you, you know, time to move on, you know, so something that you kind of have in your back pocket, that you can just kind of whip out and say it, it should be ingrained in your brain. And so you could say it over and over and over again, but yes, one sentence bio. Okay. And then the longer bios, depending upon what the situation is, like if you have a website, you can put your long bio on there because people want to know what is her credibility? You know, what is her influence? What is her vision? You can put those types of things in your longer bio. You know, certifications, education, like I said earlier, like if you, maybe you blog, maybe you write articles, anything that makes you sound (laughs) expert-y. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and you can say things like, I'm the founder of this, or I'm a sought after speaker, or I've helped hundreds of children overcome our sound disorders. (laughs) I mean, you know, using bigger terms like that gives credibility. Of course, you never want to lie. You always want to tell the truth. But, you know, like I'll say, my name is Trevor Graves. I'm the founder and CEO of Bloom Personal Branding. So yes, I founded it. I'm leading it, you know, using words like that. You know, you can even look up on Google trending words for a certain topic that might spring just a different idea into your head. So that's great. Great suggestion. (laughs) Now, okay, so we have our one sentence bio when we're networking or just meeting someone kind of like the elevator pitch. How is your bio different from your brand positioning statement? Yeah. So remember when I, you know, I talked about the problem I solve is insecurity. My uniqueness is confidence because out of insecurity comes confidence. It's always Mm -hmm. the inverse of the problem. And what is my brand positioning statement? So what is it that I just, I want to share with the world? And my brand positioning statement is simple. It is believe in yourself. That's it. I mean, if you now are confident and you're believing in yourself, you can go out now and teach other people or inspire other people to build confidence and believe in yourself. That's really all that is. You hopefully should keep your brand positioning statement pretty short. You want to keep it to the point. You can use it on your LinkedIn bio, kind of like a little tagline. You can use it as, you know, a lot of people now don't give out business cards anymore. They'll just, you can set up a business card on your iPhone. I'm wondering if anybody has done that. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? 
Is it something that you like a picture and then you send it to other people? Um, yes. Put it's you on the in spot. your iPhone under settings and it's called my card, my card, okay. my card. And you can go in there and set it up just like a business card. You can put your tagline in there, your information about you, phone number, blah, blah, blah. And then just share that now instead of printing out business cards. I mean, some people still like that tangible, I want it, I want the card. Yeah. <laughs> but digital business cards are kind of popular now. So you could put it on there. Um, That's great. I do like a card. I like to feel the card, but then it's like then you get home and you you put the information in your phone. You're like, oh do I keep the card? Like just exactly. put it in a drawer or whatever. Even, yeah. even though I like to feel it, it's really not necessary. Right. You could use your brand positioning statement like in your email signature as well. Good so idea. really just think about your brand positioning statement as a catchphrase about your expertise. So my expertise is in building confidence and believe in yourself. That's my expertise. I, I help people to build confidence and believe in themselves. And once people have that confidence and believe in themselves, then, I mean, you can conquer anything, you know, mm -hmm. that's what I think. But, but you are such an inspiration. Well, <laughs> I hope so, but that's kind well, of my feeling on it. So, so the key elements for developing a brand positioning statement are that it needs to be short. Yes. It needs to describe what you do or inspire what you do. And you need to use it frequently. Anything else? Yeah, like it's a catchphrase of your expertise. That's the best way I can describe it. Okay. Yes. Catchphrase of your expertise. Yeah. Okay. Short and, and make sure that that aligns with your values, your pat, your values. You know, why are you doing what you're doing? That's how I would use it. I'm just making a few notes for myself. That's wonderful, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> so you have worked with a variety of professionals from mm -hmm. teachers to business people to SLPs. Can you think, and it doesn't have to be a, an SLP, but can you think mm -hmm. of like a case study? We always like to consider case studies. So mm -hmm. a case study of a client that you helped who really was able to transform their business or whatever it was that they were aiming mm -hmm. to transform by thoughtfully and strategically developing their personal brand. Yes. So, okay. So here's a current story right now. I can't be HIPAA you. compliant, of course. Yes. I cannot <laughs> tell you her name, Okay, but she is, I'm so excited about this, but she is running for governor in a Ooh. state, of course, in the United States. <laughs> and um, so she came to me and needed help with writing out like a 15 minute speech on how do I get all of my passion and my why, my purpose, my passion, why am I doing this? She didn't know how to do it. And so I've been working with her currently right now. I taught her how to do this through writing a story. There's a little framework that I work on with her. We crafted this, this 15 minute speech with what she wanted to get across. 
And I talked to her actually yesterday and she had a speaking engagement at some rally of some sort. She's, I think, let's see the 2022 elections. That's so about a year from now. That's when the election is. And she's a pretty confident lady, but I sensed a little bit of hesitation because she had all of these stories and things she wanted to share. She just didn't know how to narrow it down and have one story in that speech versus many, because Mm -hmm. remember niching down and sharing the most impactful story is going to work the best. And so anyway, it was really exciting for me. She called me yesterday and said, Oh my gosh, Treva, this worked. It worked out great. We've been practicing together on it and she felt really good about it. And so that is something that I am really excited for her about is that she can share this 15 minute kind of stump speech when she mm-hmm. goes out and at her rallies and things to um, share who she is in a nutshell. And some of this we utilize, you know, kind of, you know, we had to think about her bio, what was in that, what could we share about her that had greatest impact you know, influence, credibility, all that type of stuff. But that's pretty exciting. I've worked with people who also wanted to do TED Talks. I know there are speech pathologists out there who have done TED Talks and talked about communication skills and such. So taking her, and this was another woman, taking her from, I have no idea how to do this, to getting up on stage and delivering her 18-minute TED Talk was pretty exciting as well. So those are some people that I worked with that I I just love. (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's great. Speaking of TED Talks, uh, do you have any recommendations? We're getting toward the end of the year. So Mm -hmm. people are setting goals. Let's say someone has a goal next year to uh, Mm -hmm. do a TED Talk. Is is there any, or that's kind of a different subject, but any little tidbits that you want to share about that? I would apply to as many as you can, because it's most likely you'll probably get denied. (laughs) There are so many people that want to do TED Talks and they've gotten really, really picky about their process. And I know people that have applied numerous times to get accepted to a TED Talk. I can tell you it takes an enormous amount of work enormous amount of work. It's kind of like running a marathon. Mm-hmm. You know, think about all that work you have to do and prepare and train. It's the exact same thing with the TED Talk. So you really have to be committed to putting in many, many hours. There are no cue cards or note cards. You have to give this off the cuff in 18 minutes or less. And it has to be an idea that will inspire someone to make a change. I think that's kind of the premise of it. Okay. Okay. It's a huge commitment, but it is also a huge feather in your cap. Yes. So yeah, it is very fun. Okay. In our preparation, you mentioned three elements of professional presence, switching gears a little bit here that impact our effectiveness as an SLP. Yeah. Will you describe those elements of professional presence? Absolutely. Well, I think the number one thing we need to remember as SLPs 
And I get this. We live in a world where, you know, how we dress and present ourselves, it's changed a lot. We're not wearing nylons and pumps and a white coat so much anymore. Like when I started my career in the hospital, I was dressed up. I mean, I had the white lab coat, the, you know, nylons, everything. And it's changed over 25 years. But we can't forget that just because our world is is more relaxed now. I mean, thankful, you know, we've got Athleta and Lululemon and all of these wonderful places where comfort now rules. Mm-hmm. We cannot forget that we are professional people. And that doesn't mean, in my personal opinion, that we can't just roll out of bed and throw on a pair of yoga pants and flip our hair up in a clip and go to work. I am a huge proponent on looking good, feeling good, and being the professional. We have worked many years to earn our education. And as I said, we're experts. People expect experts to look like experts. <laughs> so don't don't um, forget that how you dress and look is important. I don't mean to be preachy on that, but, no, that's, but that's- it's important. I asked the question. So yeah. I'm asking you what yeah. your what your opinion is of yeah. three elements of professional <laughs> presence. Yes. And and you know, sometimes it's really hard. Like I did a semester of teaching at the University of Northern Iowa right before COVID hit. I taught their intro to communication disorders class. And I was in the big room with like 90 students. It was it was a lot. I mean, the big screen, everything. One of the things that we really talked about with our undergraduate students is you know, when you come to clinic, you have to be professional. Like you can't just roll out of bed and, you know, um, talk about what you were doing last night downtown. (laughs) So we have to, you know, be professional. So looking and feeling good is important. Other things too, like our manners, you know, using please and thank you, practicing good etiquette in the workplace will get you far. We don't necessarily use a lot of those manners that we um, we learned as children. And so, you know, always just being very respectful of each other and using good manners. The last thing is empathy. I mean, if you if you are in the world of speech pathology and you don't have empathy, maybe you're in the wrong career. <laughs> but empathy is so important. It's not just a life skill for for everyone. But it's a huge part of our jobs as SLPs is showing that empathy in our professional presence and being good listeners. And, you know, sometimes that's holding somebody's hand or just sitting and, you know, listening and talking to the family if their loved one is very ill in the hospital. So image manners and empathy, I think, will take you a long way in your professional career, along with your thought leadership um, as an SLP. Great image, manners, and empathy. Speaking of thought leadership, you told me that you underwent a leadership training program Mm -hmm. through ASHA, right? Yeah. And that was a few years ago. Can you tell us quickly about that? Because I thought that was very interesting and good for other people to know. Yes. So ASHA offers the leadership development program. At that time, it was through healthcare. So that's the one that I did. And it's a year long 
program where you have to apply for it. They accept 30 people from across the country in this cohort. It takes you through different aspects of leadership, everything from how to run a virtual meeting to conflict management, leadership styles, how to manage teams. It was a phenomenal experience. And I am friends with many of the gals that were in my cohort today. I would highly recommend it. You do have to put together a little project at the end, something that you're interested in that you know you share with the group, but kind of a capstone project. But I highly recommend it. You will love it. How competitive was it when you applied? Like how many applicants are there? Yeah, I I was told, um, and this was in 2018, I think there were 90 applicants and they accept 30. If you're so. interested, we're, it's, it's worth a shot, right? It is. I loved it. Loved it. And it's webinars. You meet once a month in a webinar okay. for two hours, two hours a month. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. We always like to pass on career opportunities and that's a great one. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thank you, Treva, for joining us for the first half of our first ever double header <laughs> as SLPs, as we aim to set personal and professional goals for the new year. It's great to have this information on personal branding. And to all of our listeners, thank you for joining us. We hope we added some tools to your toolbox. If you would like to earn ASHA CEUs as live credit, please log into your speechtherapypd.com account and complete all the course modules for each episode by the end of the day today. And we do hope that you will join us for the next episode with Treva, Determining Your Digital Drivers. We will take a short break and then we will log into the next episode. And there is a separate login for that episode. So Go back to speechtherapypd.com and log into the second episode if you plan to participate. Thank you so much, Treva, and we'll see you in a few minutes. It sounds great. Thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you. Thanks for joining us here at Keys for SLPs, providing keys to open new doors to better serve our clients throughout the lifespan. Remember to go to speechtherapypd.com to learn more about earning ASHA CEUs for this episode and more. Thanks for your positive reviews and support. I would love for you to write a quick review and subscribe. Keep up the good work.